snippets from The Verge. Hello there, this is your host, Emma Katrovis, and you're listening to the first episode of a supplementary series within the Artists on the Verge podcast, which I'm calling Snippets from the Verge. The conversations I have with artists on this podcast often leave me with questions or new ideas which I'd like to ponder further, but for which there often isn't a lot of time in the interview, and there are also a lot of just general themes which I wish there was more time to explore in the full episodes. And so these little supplementary snippets will allow me to both expand on the interviews a bit and provide more general background to the conversations I'm having about art and art making on this podcast. And I'd like to kick off the series with a little look behind the scenes. A lot of artists get an earful about branding these days, and many of them are also creating their own online platforms. I, of course, have also thought a lot about how to present Artists on the Verge, how to pitch it and build an audience for it, and would like to use this humble platform as a case study in how hard it is to build a coherent brand and gather an audience online while remaining authentic. So, if you've been following the On the Verge series for a while, you may have heard the story already. In October 2019, I started a blog which I called Soprano on the Verge, partially after a one-woman comedy show by opera singer Julia McGinnis called Diva on the Verge. In the blog, I wanted to document in real time what I thought was either going to be my failure or success at having a career as a classical singer. I was tired of the glib way that success within performing arts was talked about, and I thought if I truly talked candidly about what it's like to pursue a performing arts career, I might fill a kind of information void. I thought of the name Soprano on the Verge within a couple minutes after deciding to have a blog. I wanted the name to kind of hit you a little, so first thought, best thought seemed like a good strategy. But the name also worked because as a late 20s classical singer, I really did think I was on the verge of making or breaking it as a performer. It's funny retrospectively how wrong I was about clear outcomes in life. I started my YouTube channel, Opera on the Verge, in March 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, though I actually started working on it before the pandemic started. On the YouTube channel, I wanted to make video essays about opera in the new millennium. On the Verge seemed appropriate for the same reason it did on my more personal blog. Then, in January 2021, I launched this podcast, which was originally named Convo on the Verge because I thought it was going to take the form of informal conversations with artists, but then I realized a year in that Artists on the Verge was a much more evocative and also, let's face it, search engine-friendly title for the artist profiles I was making. So since January 2022, this podcast is called Artists on the Verge. A couple months later, I changed the name of the YouTube channel to Artists on the Verge as well. So, you see what I mean by topsy-turvy. Now, that is the story of the name of this podcast and the related blog and YouTube channel. But a brand isn't just the name. It's also a shorthand embodiment of the thing you are trying to sell, your pitch. So, what is the pitch behind the On the Verge brand? Well, that has changed a lot over the last three years, and I'm not sure that process is fully finished. Some of my early blog posts, like the ones documenting auditions or training programs, were actually pretty popular because I was, at the time, filling a certain unmet need to talk candidly about the unglamorous reality of most degree-holding classical singers. This changed a lot with the pandemic, partially because it didn't seem to be about the individual artist's survival anymore, but about live performing art surviving as such. It also changed because lots of different platforms, mostly podcasts actually, popped up during the pandemic talking about the same subject. 
I was happy to cede to them, as I already felt like the wrong person to be giving any useful answers about a career in the opera industry. On my YouTube channel, I did use the lockdown to make a few videos exploring opera history in quirky ways and also about a cancel scandal regarding teaching music theory at American universities. Just look up Schenker, S-C-H-E-N-K-E-R, music theory scandal if you don't know what I'm talking about. My video essays actually had some enthusiastic viewers. But as I really started to think about the issues that mattered to artists and shifting my focus away from just opera and having a career within opera, I changed course. And yes, I lost subscribers and viewers, especially on YouTube, sometime in the summer of 2021, when I started taking down old videos I had made, including my most popular ones. The rules of the internet dictate that you must double down on a subject that's getting attention. Instead, I developed a motto. Be constructive rather than deconstructive. Making snarky videos about how opera history is actually taught wrong or how everyone involved in a petty debate about the teaching of music theory is being silly is deconstructive. Celebrating individual artists who aren't famous but who are doing interesting things to survive is constructive. Now, I don't want to go too far into my skepticism about how internet popularity works, because that would really be for a different snippet, but I will say this. In the early deconstructive iteration of my blog and YouTube channel, there was something clear to oppose. The business of opera and opera education, or the canon of music theory education, or how opera is put on a cultural pedestal, or at the very least, individuals acting unfairly within cancel scandals. If you want to be constructive, you have to balance out the void left by the absence of a boogeyman with extreme positivity, which usually means acting like there is a simple, quote, actionable solution to an implicit problem. That's your advice column and life coach, right? And that is something I am not comfortable with either because it would be dishonest of me to act like I have any certainty about anything regarding surviving as an artist. And I shudder every time I think that I actually tried to give advice to young singers in the early days of my blog. So on this platform, I simply try to present without judgment how a single artist lives and what they think about, whether that person is me or some interesting artist I meet along the way. Because simply saying, here are some various ways people exist as artists seems like the most honest way to give advice about how to exist as an artist. And I can say that I, for one, have learned a lot as the host of these conversations. As the world opened up after the pandemic, I also had to reduce my output a bit. That's another thing they don't tell you about online platforms. You can only go full throttle at something that isn't making you money for so long, and making online content takes a lot of time. The format of the On The Burst series as of 2022 is a monthly blog post about my journey as an indie artist and one monthly 30-minute profile of another artist. I also send out a newsletter on the 13th of every month, and I guess now I'm adding these short snippet episodes as well. What I hope this little description of the early years of the On The Verge series illustrates is just how topsy-turvy developing a platform actually is. By the time you discover a platform as a listener, it's likely that it has already gone through lots of different versions of the same pitch. But to end on a positive note, however much searching I have done for the right angle, I do still like the name of this platform. The phrase On The Verge is by nature open-ended. It's the moment before a question gets answered, the moment before you arrive, a beginning and an ending at the same time. Which is what life, and therefore an artist's life, is actually like. You never make or break it, you're just on the verge. Oh, and since we're talking about branding, I should give credit to my little sister, Ella, who is only 17 years old and who has artistic aspirations herself for making the logo. 
I like looking at it and I think she did capture a certain essence of the Artists on the Verge podcast. There's of course much more to talk about with branding and the internet, but that's for a different snippet. Learn more about this podcast and related blog and YouTube channel at OnTheVergeTrilogy.com. No W's. Here's to being on the verge.